The Murder on the Eastern Asia, specifically Japan, Bound Express by Ian Smith. Chapter 1 The Facts. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Captain Starboard speaking, thanking you once again for choosing Pacific Specific Luxury Cruises, the finest choice in luxury submarine travel. We are currently floating at an altitude of minus 900 feet and at a cruising speed of 9 knots. If you look out starboard, you can see a metaphor from a love life in the empty, lonely, yet optimistic ocean we call Pacific, assuming you see through steel. The seatbelt sign is non-existent, so feel free to move about the cabin as you already have been. I don't blame you. We're all cats in the game of curiosity. Cabin crew, prepare to stand by while I find the pencil I knocked over in my own cat-like state. The handful of restless passengers, fatigued from the already long journey, peer around the cabin of the canteen, no one quite sure their starboard from port or if that really mattered to understand the metaphor. The canteen was a hard mess of unforgiving metal, dressed in forgiving cushions and no forgiveness-necessary linens. Decorative vases and oil paintings of oil-filled vases cramped the already tight room, hardly concealing the slew of pipes running the length of the walls. Hanging chandeliers above each table sway gently, back and forth with the ocean's current, casting short, wobbly shadows over the matted red carpet in the aisle. Our luxury cruise sub is now entering Japanese waters, and uh, with the spicier sequel to the First World War underway, we may experience some combat-related turbulence as we get closer to mainland Japan. In case of an attack, we will need all hands on deck. Not literally, there's a torpedo room in the bow. Unless a Japanese warship is detected, in which case we'll surface with all hands on deck after you retrieve the guns under your cushions. That can also be used as a flotation device. In a few minutes, my stepdad, Todd, will be serving complimentary champagne to complement the complimentary dry oysters. Thank you again for choosing Pacific Specific Luxury Cruises, the only war-friendly luxury cruise in the Pacific. I don't know why the captain keeps saying that. Lucille von Berg grumbles to her adult daughter, Carol, from across the table, bundling herself in her fur coat to assert status despite the heat. They're not the only luxury submarine crews in the Pacific. I mean, what about Specific Pacific? You already know, Mother, that we're only on Pacific Specific because Specific Pacific had a captain who wasn't stab-proof. Oh, of course, darling. The lower class resort to all sorts of primitive things for fun. No, no, Mother. It was that mugging we read about in that newspaper you spotted those orphans with. Well, shame on that mugger. Ending up on the front page of a newspaper for orphans to see. That's why. They cancelled our voyage on the submarine. We had to switch to this one. Such poor judgment on his part, as if a luxury submarine captain would even have money as to steal. Well, I say good riddance. A life is only as valuable as its bank account. Agreed. The service on this submarine is terrible. We've been clinking these light bulbs for hours. When is that champagne getting here? 
if your father was here... Well, Daddy isn't here. Daddy was drafted into this silly war. And I wrote to him that we would be vacationing out his way. Oh, I hope he decides to meet us instead of making excuses as usual about orders and men in trees. It was quite silly of him to have gotten drafted in the first place. Downright selfish, even. Leaving us to go on his little war safari. I don't understand why he didn't bribe his way out like they did the Bumberban boy. He wanted to, but there was that credenza I had to have. It does fill the space in the credenza room better than father ever did. Pity might not get to see it. Sorry to interrupt, but did I hear you say Bumberman? My word. An eavesdropper? <laughs> I didn't mean to startle you. I just think I know who you're talking about. Neville Bumderman, is that right? That's right. He's a wicked, vile, despicable, little son of an allegorical bitch. How is it you know him? <laughs> I'm his uncle. What a small world, ain't it? I won't beg your pardon. I'm entitled to it. But are you rich enough to be speaking to us? Well, I sure hope so. Let me introduce myself. Richard Texas, millionaire olive oil baron from New Hampshire. Hmm, yes. And what is it you do? Oil! Yeah, yeah. That's what the driver puts into the car, isn't it? If it's not, it should be. It's not. No? No, don't do that. So, how is it you know my nephew, Mrs... Von Berg. Lucille Von Berg, millionaire inheritance baron. And this is my daughter, Carol. Hmm, charmed, I'm sure. Not really. Well, I beg to differ. Carol, don't beg. Heads turn to watch the wheel of the kitchen portal slowly turn to the sound of jazz. I should have brought some oil for that there wheel. The portal door swings open even slower, building suspense no one asked for, but all quietly welcomed. Behind it, an elderly tuxedoed man appears and wedges himself through the doorway, his frail body trembling and shaking under the weight of the champagne glass tower balanced on his tray. A little quicker, boy. This must be the stepdad we've been waiting for. Are you Todd? Huh? I said, I said, are you Todd? What? Todd shuffles down the aisle towards Lucille and Carol's table and places champagne next to their light bulbs. Sir, from the left, you have absolutely bungled this trip, Todd. Who's a bungler? So, back to my nephew, how do you two know that old ragpot Neville? Neville is the neighbor boy in the slightly smaller mansion next door. You must know the slightly less welfare owners, then. Yep, that's Barbara, my older sister. I think you might be the neighbor she's mentioned. Interesting how we'd run into each other like this. What's interesting is the snail reproductive cycle and also why she's disclosing our personal business. Neville steps in one bear trap in the backyard we annex from them and she goes running off to the papers. It was more about him not getting into the college they wanted like they planned. <laughs> that seems to happen to those who deserve it. How unfortunate. Yeah, proper. There was also some talk of admissions being pressured to reject him by a slightly larger donor. 
I wouldn't know anything about that. Well, if we're all getting to know each other, I'd like to make your acquaintances. Lucille, Carol, and Richard slowly turn their heads to the ghastly sight of a commoner in their midst. Hi, um, I'm Joyce. Hammers now. No longer Joyce de Cunnings ever since the divorce. (laughs) My God. Informal grammar on a luxury cruise. What tax bracket are you in, dear? (laughs) I know I'm not rich like the rest of y'all. Y'all? What in tarnation? I just figured this is a new chapter in my life and I should save for something big that's just for me. And when I heard about this luxury cruise to Japan, it seemed like a sign that I should... She paid by the hour, by the word. Waiter, the lower class is harassing us. Todd slowly turns to see who yelled Walter with just enough force to send his tower of champagne crashing like the stock market. Which was still topical at this period of time. He picks up the only intact glass from amongst the armada of shards covering the ground and places it in front of the last passenger in the room, a dark-haired figure huddled in the corner where he could keep the whole room in view. I should have brought some oil for that there champagne tower. Look what you've done, Joyce. Glass everywhere, like some Irish neighborhood. Reminds me of the time we gave Neville that piñata. Oh, no, sorry, I I wasn't trying to harass anyone, I just- Okay, not interested in buying anything, thank you. I'm- I'm not sure if there's been a misunderstanding. And what about you, sir? The affluent trio turn their gaze to the man in the corner, ignoring Joyce completely so she can learn her place. Who, me? Yes, you. The one everyone in the room's looking at. Oh, I, uh, I don't know. You don't know your name, or you don't know your net salary. It, uh, it is complicated. The mystery man picks up his glass and shakes off the excess shards onto the ground with the others. Well, he's got one good idea. Adding to the mess. A toast to celebrate the almost end of this trip. Yeah, yeah. And to not letting a world war stop us from vacationing where we want. Yeah, yeah. That's right. No global issue can stop Americans from doing what they want when they want. Yeah, yeah. And to my new freedom as a Would single. You shut up, Joyce. Wait, she's doing it again. This is why we need proof of W two. Without the civility wealth brings. These people just become animals. Ignore her and her roots. Let's get on with our toast. To the soon-to-be end of our safe voyage. Yeah, yeah. What is happening? Why are the lights out? Are we being attacked like the captain foreshadowed? We should go to the torpedo room. Shut up, Joyce. The lights flicker back on as everyone regains their balance. Todd, the only one unaffected, as he shuffles back towards the kitchen door. The room is in complete disarray as the passengers straighten themselves up. Paintings, vases, and the candy wrappers Richard had been stuffing into the vases lay strewn across the floor. The chandeliers swung like party lights at a rave from the momentum. Chandeliers are swinging around like party lights at a rave, if there ever were such a thing. Is everyone all right? Ow. I'm fine. No one asked Joyce. What 
happened? That can't be normal. I should have brought some oil for them there chandeliers. Uh, this is Captain Starboard speaking. We seem to have struck a sea mine on the starboard side, but the radar is plugged back in, so we shouldn't expect any more difficulty for the duration of our voyage. Thank you again for choosing Pacific Specific Luxury Cruises. We ask that you just sit back, relax, and don't panic. Ah! Oh my god, he's dead! Just say, don't panic. Oh my god, he's dead! Who? Everyone follows Carol's gaze, and not Joyce's, down the aisle to discover the body of the dark-haired man face down in the aisle, arms pinned to his side by the oil painting he was comically stuffed through. Blood gushes past the broken glass stem stuck in his neck, through the rug into the grate below. Well, let's not jump to conclusions now. Maybe he's just asleep. Maybe it was an accident. Or maybe it was Mirdale. The room spins around to see a stranger. A plump, well-groomed man in a grey wool suit and a self-grown moustache standing tall, eyes fixed on the corpse. Who are you? Shut up, Joyce. He steps towards the body, eyes darting over every detail as he buttons his coat. The other passengers are stunned, as the man seems to have appeared out of thin air. Did you appear out of fat air or something? Who are you? I am Inspector Mademoiselle Perrault. Mademoiselle? Oui. It is a common first name in Belgium. But you weren't here a minute ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton-Eye Perrault? I was hiding under the table because of my social anxiety, but... Now it appears a murder has been committed, and I must do my job. And do you also work in oil? No, madame, I am an inspector. I solve cases by inspecting things, but I never touch. No. The victims are to me like strippers at McMurphy's on Thursday nights, perhaps after seven. The Atlanta location? They are, how you say in English, a franchise. I'm aware. So, mademoiselle... What do we do now? Is this a crime scene? Are we all suspects? Please, Mademoiselle Joyce, I request you speak no more for the duration of this voyage. What? What is happening? Why does everyone hate so, me? So, Mademoiselle, what do we do now? Is this a crime scene? Are we all suspects? Yes. I am afraid for the time being you are all suspects in the murder of this man. From now until we reach our destination, I will investigate this murder to find the culprit, and as a backup, we will put the blame on Joyce. Hold on. What do you mean, put the blame on Joyce? Speak when spoken to, you heathen. My word. The lack of manners on this one. Has Joyce been like this all day? It's poor parenting. No wonder they spent all their money on newspapers instead of health care. Come on, that's not even close to... Enough. Inspector Paul Reiger does not work under such wretched conditions. Now, as I was saying, I will investigate who has killed this man to find our culprit. But who is he? To the innocent, a nobody. The inspector pulls out an embroidered white handkerchief from his coat pocket and crouches next to the body. To the murderer, a business partner, a childhood bully, an ex-lover perhaps? Has anyone been inside this man? Or vice versa? 
Wait, Inspector, you said you don't touch the victims. I do not. But you're touching him right now. You're rummaging through his pockets. Oh, uh, no, no. I, I touch the handkerchief. The handkerchief touches the body. I do not touch the body. It really is the same thing. It is not the same thing. I touched the handkerchief. Transitive property. That's right, the, the transmitted property. It is not the transitive property, it is simple semantics. I touched the mechanic, touched the body, it is the same road McMurphy's, and if it touches, I see wallet. Now let's see who our mystery man is. Inspector Porar pulls out the man's wallet from his pants pocket and opens it. A few crinkled bills, a faded picture of an otter, an ID card among others. The inspector stuffs the otter picture and money into his coat pocket. What did you just take? Finders keepers. His name is Ivan Nobatov. Does this name mean anything to any of you? No. Mm, no. 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 Not, not me. Also, you claim, by the looks of it, he would appear to have a broken glass stem in his neck. But perhaps the body is only resting on it. Nope. 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 That was in there pretty deep. I'm going to be sick. I'll just put that back in. Oh, good. It's brandy. I should not have pulled that out. This is worse than Joyce's mess. Where is Todd to clean this up? So he was stabbed in the neck. Is that what you think killed him? Of course. Look. What else would it have been? It could be a cover-up for the true murder. This painting he is so hilariously stuffed through. The inspector mm. kicks the lifeless corpse out of the canvas mm. to hold it up for examination. It is one I spotted before. The other paintings are all oil paintings. I noticed. Yes, the playful ambiguity of oil painting, referring to both the paint and the subject. But this one, it is that of a lump of lead, reminiscent of the coal I received annually during my rebellious childhood. Very serene, very... Poisonous. Poirot scratches off a few flakes of paint and holds them out for Joyce. Joyce, buddy, come here and take a taste of this, would you? Why? To see if it has lead and is therefore extremely poisonous. Uh, no! It is for science! Joyce, just do it. This isn't all about you. I'm not eating lead paint, especially after how you all have been treating me. So... You're saying if we were nicer to you before, you would have eaten that there paint, no question? That explains a lot about you now, doesn't it? Disgusting habit from her youth, no doubt. It is not! Quiet, Joyce! This is not a flea market! We speak with civility! Stupid idiot. Well, despite the undeserved difficulty, I am almost positive this is lead paint. And if it is... There is a possibility that our Mr. Nobatov died of lead poisoning. Impossible. There wouldn't be enough time to kill him. But time is relative, no? Perhaps if there was some temporary portal to another dimension, one where time moved more quickly. Blinding red warning lights alert the passengers to the siren announcing the warning lights. What's happening Another seaman? We didn't hit anything. This is Captain Starboard speaking. We have detected an enemy Japanese submarine in the area and are requesting all passengers to place their tray tables in the upright position and head on down to the torpedo room for merciless retaliation for Pearl Harbor.
Carol, Inspector Porter, and frustrated Joyce follow the stairwell down to the labyrinth of a lower deck. Let's try this way. Porter leads the passengers through the maze of corridors, running past luxury accommodation they've never been able to find. So there's the puppet room. What's a procrastination room? We can find out later. Onward! I see the torpedo room just ahead. Quickly, inside! Inspector Poirot removes his white handkerchief again and inspects the breach door of the torpedo tube. Is the breach locked? It is. What should I do? Go home, Joyce. Everybody, hang on. Reload. I don't want to die. Carol, the torpedo, it is too heavy. I have to shoot the other one. Help, Joyce. I can't lift it. You are useless to everyone in your life, Joyce. I'm here. I found it. Richard, help us. <laughs> Got it. Firing. <laughs> Why are you cheering, Joyce? You didn't do anything. Uh, this is Captain Starboard speaking. The radar indicates the threat has been neutralized with minimal damage to our vessel, so, uh, GG, everyone. With the tailwind to our tail providing wind, we should be expecting to quite possibly have a small to moderate chance of perhaps conceivably arriving uh, right on schedule. Uh, for all we know. Maybe. We'll see. Captain Crew, prepare for end of announcement. The relief that had washed over the passengers trickles away quickly as they take account of the room. Wait just a pod piper minute now. Who's missing? Yay, where is... Lucille! Lucille! I said it first. She did not return from her room. We must find her. Perhaps she is disposing of the very evidence we need. She wouldn't. This isn't like her. You don't know that. How long have you even known your mother? Oh, there is no time for this. Quickly! The four race back up the metal stairs, calling out for Lucille. Lucille? Lucille! Shut up, Joyce! Does anyone remember the way back? Oh, I, I, I inspect it is this way. No, over there. Ah, of course, stairs, follow me! The inspector stops the group at the top of the stairs, pausing to listen for any signs of Lucille. If she is our culprit, she could be anywhere. We need to split up. It's not her. I pray it is not, but we need to split up. Carol, I need you to unfortunately go with Joyce to check the quarters. I will take Richard to the canteen room towards the tickle fight room and search for her there. Um, maybe I should go with Carol? She shouldn't have to succumb to Joyce being herself. No, monsieur. I have plans for us in the tickle room I can no longer put off. Come! Richard gives Carol a look of regret before chasing after Perreault. 
Carol turns with a sigh, avoiding Joyce entirely to traipse towards the sleeping quarters. <sighs> Let's get this over with. I'm not a bad person. Having not heard Joyce's whining to slow them down, Inspector Poirot and Richard arrive at the canteen. Fair warning. I sometimes get adult-onset diarrhea when I am tickled, so prepare to... <gasps> the pair freeze upon looking up to see Lucille in the middle of the aisle, hands clasped to her mouth as she shakes. Lucille? Lucille. Oh, sorry. Lucille? Is that you? It must be. Look at the elbows. They step over Nabatov's mangled, bloody corpse in the aisle to confirm it was, in fact, Lucille attached to those elbows. Smells like her, too. Not that I ever... Oh, oh, God. On the ground before them was Todd, his dead eyes staring past the ceiling above. Blood pools around Todd's head, shimmering under the swaying chandeliers in the hollow silence. His jungle of nose hair is either paralyzed with fear, or our dear Todd is no longer breathing. Lucille, what did you do? End chapter one. Hey kids, what do you want for dinner? I want pizza. I want tacos. I want to go live with daddy. Tired of your family not agreeing on what to eat for dinner? that? Are you talking to me? Yeah. Are you tired of your family not agreeing on what to eat for dinner? Mom, I have to go to the bathroom. Not now, Tyler. I, I don't know, I guess. Listen, I gotta get the kids home what for- What if I told you there's a way to fix that problem? Like a delivery app or something? I have a ton already. I'm really not interested. I'm talking about an app for your soul that's not an app at all. Are you also high? Come with me on down to the interstellar church of science for salvation from those pesky dinner disagreements. What the fuck is going on? Um, I'm scared. I want daddy. That's right, folks. Come on down to the interstellar church of science compound on Route 8 for all your soul healing needs. Doug is here to shine his light on your hearts and minds with leisurely activities like badminton, good mitten, volleyball mitten, clap alongs. Clap apart. 4 a.m. shouting matches with the neighbors over what they call suspicious activity. My yard. I can do anything I want with it at any time I want. Okay? It's a free country. And I can. This is not a cult, you piece of shit. This is a religious persecution. It's my right to make a cult. I'll make a thousand more cults if I want. I'm calling the police, and I'm making sure they come out here with a search warrant this time. Oh, no, you're not, you piece of shit. Hey, get off me. Evidence burying. Collective denial. We haven't seen him in days, officer. Board games. Kayaking. Yaking. And so much more, all after a generously mandatory donation of $8,000. So leave your complicated life behind and join the thought-free communal federation of love that is the IC of S today for the impending doomsday revolution foretold in the Jenkinson prophecy just past chugging old parties at the corner. We even offer free transportation. Hey, what's going on? Get off me! Let go of Chapter 2. The Evidence 
Lucille clasps her arms tightly and stares at the wall on what she assumed was the port side. The trip had gone from bad to worse for Lucille, as well as for most of the passengers on the voyage, as if having to switch luxury submarines over a captain's frivolous involuntary chest hole wasn't bad enough. She was forced to endure the presence of an underprivileged and now two corpses, for which Lucille was accused of being responsible. It's a prime suspect, Lucy. You got some splaining to do. It's a lie. I can't be responsible. I'm not a responsible person. We caught you red-handed. You're the murderer, just admit it. I didn't kill anyone. Oh, right. You didn't kill him. Whatever you bludgeoned him with killed him. You liberals are all alike with your logic. Monsieur? What makes you think he was bludgeoned to death? Uh, because... Look at his head. He must have been hit with something pretty hard. But you said bludgeoned, as if you know he was murdered. Why not clobber or pummel? I mean, those are synonyms. Synonyms? Or the slip of a guilty conscience? He's lying. He did it, and now he's trying to pin it on me. Carol and Joyce join the rest of the travelers in the canteen. Maybe if you had more work ethic, Joyce, you'd be able to pull yourself out of... What's going on in here? Why is my mother sitting? Is that Todd? And how is it you know the identity of the victim, Joyce? What? What? Because I can see it's him. Interesting. Yet you somehow did not see the murderer. How your eyes pick and choose what they see. The murderer is Lucille. It's as clear as day on a mostly clear day. It wasn't me. I came in here after I went to my room and found Todd just lying there. I went to remind him his laziness is why he's so poor when I saw all the blood. What were you doing in your room, Lucille? Why do you care? You couldn't afford anything in there. Because if we don't figure out who it is, you're all planning on blaming me. And you're saying that's just a coincidence? Curious how desperate you are to point the finger somewhere else, Joyce. Excusez-moi. As insufferable as the, how you English say, divorcee is, she raises a good question. Mademoiselle Lucille, what were you doing in your cabin instead of coming with us to the Topito room? I... Lucille's eyes quickly dart to her daughter and back. I don't have to answer that. She's hiding something. Let's burn her at the stake. Mon ami Richard, you look equally guilty and only half as pretty. We will not burn her at the stake. The smoke, she will never leave these curtains. Instead, we will search all the rooms together. And we will start with Joyce's room. Why mine? Because we are mean to you, Joyce. There is a clear pattern. The passengers find their way to the sleeping compartments down a long, tight corridor of dark wooden panels and a dull green carpet. This first room is Joyce's. How did you know that? It is where I hear the crying the loudest at night when I sneak to the kitchen for treats. Come. Come on. Do you just want me to unlock it? I almost have it battered down. I cannot stop now. The pain is too great. There we are. Everyone in. Take to Joyce's belongings for clues. Leave no bras here unintruded upon. Well, hold on now. I have some personal stuff I don't want anyone touching. Ew, gross. Is this your ex-husband? Why do you still have a picture? 
Jura, which one of you settled for the other? I can't tell. Hey, give me that. <laughs> what in tarnage? Did you fire a cannonball through these underwear? Look at the size of this hole. Put those down. That's not evidence. <laughs> look, it's big enough for my whole face. Hey, look at this. Check this out. Uh-oh. Here's Johnny. <laughs> right? What if that was a reference to something in the future, maybe? Put down my underwear. Are we done? Can we move on yet? There's nothing here. Almost. We have not quite finished trashing your room. There. Watch your step. There are mirror shots everywhere. On to the next room of our deceased Mr. Nobotov. <laughs> Shut up, boys. Ah, much easier the second time. Now, be careful. Put everything back where you found it. We want it spotless when we leave. You guys are assholes. Just because you ignore me doesn't mean I don't exist. Just ignore her? Any clues? Nothing unusual in this here trunk. Just some evening gowns, pearl necklace. Are, Are these FDR nipple tassels? Those are earrings. That's my trunk. I've been looking everywhere for my gowns. It went missing last night. I've had to look like one of Joyce's friends all day, wearing normal clothes. Excuse you, Carol. You look nothing like my friends. That's because she's real, darling. What's this? Bloody gloves. How did these get in here, Carol? Those aren't mine. This is very suspicious, Madame New Prime Suspect. Okay, fine. I crush baby chicks in my hand for fun, and I've been putting them in the vents so no one would find out. Is that wrong? Debatable. But is it illegal? No. I think it is. Not in international waters. Still pretty dark. Silence! What is this? Inspector Perreur reaches behind the pillow on the bed and pulls out a crusty sock, tucked away like it had been purposefully hidden. A sock? Most likely from the density and texture, a personal sock to our Mr. Nobatov. Perreur holds the sock just a few inches from his face, the stench of fermentation unable to break his concentration. A crimson itch embroidered on the ankle. Does this hold any significance to anyone here? No. Hmm. Why the H on Ivan's property? Why the hide the sock? So many questions and no answers. But we are off to the next room. Carol and Lucille, I believe your quarters are next door. The doors are unlocked. You don't have to bark. Ah, but I have grown accustomed to it. Here we go! Inside, you know the drill. The group scours the Von Berg's room for clues, which takes longer as a result of Lucille and Carol's insistence on watching Joyce. That snow globe is not to keep Joyce. I wasn't gonna. Someone should take the rest of these chicks, though, for safekeeping. Oh, this room is like a blind monkey covered in coconut oil. Absolutely clueless. Suspiciously. Absolutely clueless. Almost as if it were made so. I told you, I was only in here to put on my makeup. Yes, the concealer makes me wonder, mon ami, to conceal what? On to our last room, Monsieur Texas's room. 
I I don't know if we really need to. I think we have enough evidence to work with, don't you think? Why are you getting all defensive, Richard? Shut up, Joyce. Why are you getting all defensive, Richard? You have something to hide in your room? No, I just think maybe you're all tired is all. Let's all take a siesta. Do you mean a Ford Fiesta? This is your Captain Starboard speaking. Waiting on that hot chocolate I know Todd wants to make me. The local time is currently unknown. Did not plan ahead for that. But what is known is that a Japanese cruiser has been spotted in the area, and we are currently surfacing to engage. Please retrieve the firearms from under your dining seats first before assisting others, and make your way to the nearest hatch. No surrender, and have a great afternoon. Or morning. The group races down the hall back to the canteen and rush to retrieve the weapons lying underneath the cushions on the metal benches. Mine's missing! Who took my gun? Just grab another. There's plenty of open seats. Up the ladder, the passengers get their first breath of fresh air in days as they climb out onto the drenched deck of the submarine, bobbing 20 feet from the unsuspecting Japanese warship. Clear them all! The unprepared Japanese soldiers are ripped apart as they scramble to grab their rifles and return fire. A few bullets whiz past Carol as the Japanese emerging from below decks are blasted into the water. Die, you sons of bitches! Richard is hit in the leg and collapses to the deck. Richard! Richard, are you okay? Mind your own business, Joyce. Ah! It's my leg! When the firing dies, a lone Japanese soldier pulls himself free from the pile of his fallen allies. Take him aboard! At Biro's behest, the Japanese prisoner is taken below deck to the canteen, where he is bound, bandaged, and baptized, while awaiting his fate. Where'd you get the holy water? It was in a pee jar. This is Captain Starboard speaking. Pretty groovy shooting, everyone. Hope that word catches on someday. We are currently 2-0 for your scorekeeping fanatics out there, and are making our descent back to cruising depths. Cabin crew, prepare for your popping. Richard, how is your leg? Bandaged up pretty good, but can't rightly walk on it much. Well, you should have moved out of the way. Bullets only go in a straight line, you know. Excuse you, have you seen Wanted? Hey, where's Lucille? Everyone looks around the room to find Lucille isn't among them. Who do you think you are to interrupt me, Joyce? You sniveling little c- Wait a minute. Where's Lucille? Everyone but Joyce looks around the room again to find Lucille still isn't among them. She's not here again. Mother! We must find her. She is still the prime suspect. What about the prisoner? (sighs) Monsieur, if we leave you here, do you pinky swear you will stay put? I don't think he can... Let the man speak! Monsieur? (coughs) That takes care of one problem, but on to the other. Come! I can't. My leg. Joyce, you stay with Richard. Do not let them out of your sight. Fine, it's not like I get a say in any of this. No, I don't want to be around her. No one does, but you are a subprime suspect and cannot be trusted. Onwards, Carol, into the abyss of uncertainty. What's all of your problem with me? 
Honestly, Joyce, it's just fun. Carol and Virel retrace their steps before the attack. She was with us this far. She must be around here. Mother? Lucille! Mom? Mommy? <gasps> what? What is it? I found her. Inside the gold-plated llama room, another one of the underutilized perks on the sub, lay Lucille's body sprawled out on the red-stained straw. Body juice oozes from the bullet hole in her chest while her glazed eyes stare fixed on a pistol inches from her outstretched fingertips. She has been shot. From a gun. I am almost sure of it. You mean one of the llamas did it? Not even close. A llama is a gentle creature, only uses firearms in dire situations. No. You see here, Anziwal, an indentation. You mean one of the llamas did it? I, uh, no. What? No, no. The indentation most likely from a bullet. Perhaps the same one that is lodged in your mother. But why? Was anyone else missing when we were up there? I don't remember. I do not either. The narrator was vague about that. But Inspector Poir is getting close to solving this case. Don't, don't keep talking in the third person. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Come, Carol. Inspector Poir must look in one last location before he can solve this case. and himmel my shoulder. That's why I said pick the lock or take Richard's key to get into his room. You don't have to bash down everyone's door with your body. I had it down before, but the pain is wearing on me. I... Look. Among the New Hampshire-shaped belt buckles and the everything's biggish in New Hampshire yo-yos on the floor of Richard's room was a bowed piece of paper with a sketched portrait. Perreur pulls out his handkerchief and carefully picks it up by the corner. His eyebrow furls, as does his moustache. We must inquire Monsieur Texas about this at once. Why? What is it? Slow down! Look, it only makes sense that the earth would be flat, you know, since science actually... Richard! What were you doing with this sketch of Mr. Nabatov in your room? Where did you find that? Someone planted it. Your door was locked. I I, I can explain. It was you the whole time. And you killed my mother. And the others. Admit it. Others? He killed the prisoner. It is no time to point fingers, Mr. Texas. You are now my prime suspect. I hope that bullet wound hurts. Ow! Hey, don't smack it. I said I can explain. Then go ahead, you murderer. I drew it last night. Drawing's been a hobby of mine since I was a kid. I always regretted inheriting an oil empire and not becoming an artist. So I got bored in my room, and there's nothing else to do. So you sketched the deceased from memory. I find that hard to believe when there are more accessible things like the hand turkey. But it's true. I'm working on faces, and turkeys don't have any. Turkeys don't have good alibis, and neither do you. He did it, and this is all the proof we need. That's only proof that I have passion in my heart. It's obvious one of you two did it, so I should be completely out of consideration, right? No choice. You are a trusted and loyal backup, Skipcoat. There is no changing that now. 
for your sake, Inspector Pallar needs some time to think. Oh, the third person thing again? He believes he has all the pieces to work out precisely what happened and why, and in the meantime, he will need all of you to sit quietly and patiently, only speaking to admire the regal nature of my pondering. You just want us to sit here and... Quiet! Sit, all of you. Inspector Perrault steps over Nabatov's mangled body to find a seat facing the room. Richard swings his bloody leg onto the floor to make room for Joyce and Carol. The evidence of the case swirled around Perrault's head as if pieces of a puzzle circling a drain at the end of a ridiculous monkey's bath. We seek the truth from within, not without, Perrault thought, as he said the words aloud. Logic alone would dry and unmonkey smell the pieces of this murder puzzle for the great Perrault to then put together. Was he up for the challenge? As Perrault sought, there's nothing else to do right now. End chapter two. Hey there, welcome to Jug and O'Farties. What can I get you started with? Do you have any lentils? Um, no, just what's on the menu. Oh. I see. Uh, how about some marzipan soup? Uh, no, no, still just, uh, what's on the menu? What about some frittata a la mode? No. Apple beans? No. Pink wheat? No. Raisin bisque? No. Al dente flan whips? Nope. Blanched calzone cords? No. Curl fries flambe? Nope. Santham gum? Nope. Unliving pork boys? No. Cold slaw? Cold slaw? Cold slaw. It's a slaw chilled to a room temperature. No. Fine. Well, it's also my birthday. Can uh, can someone come uh, sing to me before I go across the street to TGO Fridays? <sighs> Do you work at a restaurant with average to slightly above average looking customers who make you sing a knockoff birthday song instead of the real one over a copyright technicality at your chain restaurant? Now there's Safe Sing. With Safe Sing, you're safe to sing the copyrighted version of the birthday song without worry, thanks to our patent-pending lyric lads. Just sing the birthday song next to one of our lyric lads. Happy birthday to you. And when the lawyers show up with their fancy paperwork... I'm here to serve you this cease and desist. Our lyric lad will get right to work. I sang that song just now. It was all me. The best part is, it'll be ruled a murder-suicide, no questions asked. Our lyric lads have nothing to lose. They're okay with this. So if you or someone you know works in the hospitality industry, call SafeSing to get peace of mind today. What's that? Happy birthday's in the public domain now? Uh, since 2016, you say? Oh, all right. Never mind, forget I said any of that. Chapter 3. Mademoiselle Perrault sits back and thinks. Carol, Richard, Joyce, the inspector, and the deceased Todd and Mr. Nabatov's stinky corpse sit in silence at the canteen tables, except for Perrault, who can't quite get comfy as he ponders the facts of the case. There is more comfort than this in the sticky room at McMurphy's. Perrault faces the living passengers from his own table, his eyes occasionally landing on the gap between Joyce and the others Richard insisted would keep their poor from rubbing off on them. Three murders, no witnesses, and only one way to rock, according to Sammy Hagar. 
Are you going to say something? We've been sitting here for two hours. Perora curls the sides of his mustache and removes his thinking tiara before taking to the aisle. So many people have lied to me on this submarine and do not seem to mind. The way I see things, there are three possible solutions to these crimes. One, simple because it fits with all the facts of the case. One, difficult because it fits with most but not all of the facts. And one more, complex. The first solution, everything was an accident. Murphy's Law, it was all coincidental. No one is to blame. The second, Mr. Nobotov had enemies. Every man does. You grow up on a rough playground having to fend for yourself. Maybe you have to slash a few faces to get some time on the swings. After all, they are not Raphael's swings, so Raphael does not get to hog them for himself and his friends. What are you talking about, Inspector? Raphael! Ivan Nabatov was Raphael, and uh, Monsieur Mademoiselle Polot has ambushed him in the toilet of this submarine. You lost me. His real name is Raphael now? Who's in the back? Uh, a rogue mafioso steals onto this submarine before we depart, yes? He waits for the perfect moment to strike, perhaps gains the assistance of Todd to a bribe of some physical or monetary nature, and murders Todd to tie up loose ends before making their escape when we surface to swim the few thousand miles back to shore. But that's impossible. But that's impossible, Inspector. And who shot Lucille? Why wouldn't they have shot Joyce, for all our sake? Excellent questions, which leads us to our last solution. So I ask, who stands to benefit? The benefit is, perhaps, to the spirit, an ease of suffering. To quiet a shouting voice in the head that prevents sleep or arousal. I do not have any problems there. I have yet to see any evidence of that, monsieur. May I ask you, sit down. Maybe. I will. And remove your blouse. No. It was worth a shot. The murderer is among us. So, we have the deceased Mrs. Von Berg and her daughter Carol, who have known Mr. Texas's nephew since he was a young boy. And from being in such close proximity to this boy, you have admitted yourself your grown disdain for his existence. This hatred for him drove you and your mother to try to ruin his life. You know of his Harvard prospects? So Madame Lucille makes her correspondence to the Harvard admissions as a big donor. If this boy is admitted, the donation stop would be the effect. And so the boy was denied, his hopes ruined, and coming from such a prestigious family, one that would only have their eyes on the best, they would never let their boy go to an inferior school. So he waits for next year's admissions, but his residency at home, it grows unbearable to you. Your privilege turns his enjoyment of rights into an infringement on yours. That's not true. It is, mademoiselle. You and your mother realize your mistake. You realize you should have let him leave and get out of your life instead of trying to ruin his. But having lived a life of privilege, you do not know how to do things for yourself. That may be true, but I would never hurt anybody. Could you not? You spoke of your callousness towards the poor. You would not care about the death of a less wealthy person, especially if it benefits you. And that is where Monsieur Texas comes in. You must have known how devastating it was for your family to find out he wasn't accepted. Being from New Hampshire, you would have been determined to do anything and everything you can to right the wrong you saw. 
You admit your sister told you about the extortion and her suspicion of the neighbor, and you decide to make contact. But that is when the Vonbergs let you in on their plan. And what plan is that you're accusing? The plan of murder, Monsieur Texas. The Von Bergs used their ears in the Hardwick admissions office to find out about Ivan Nobatov's vacation to Japan. You find that there are only two options for how to get there and have Richard kill the captain of one vessel, ensuring Ivan will be on Pacific Specific. That's a lot! And once aboard, you, Richard, waited for an opportune moment to strike when the lights went off. I didn't! This is all nonsense! But you three wanted to muddy the waters, make it unclear who the real murderer was. So, you staged fake introductions to seem innocent, bind him with a painting, and stab Nabatov in the neck to finish the job. And... When Lucia went to dispose of the bloody glove Richard left behind to avoid suspicion, she was caught by Todd and killed him. Lucille and Richard hid the glove, moved the trunk, and staged a fake discovery, which Carol explained away with a phony story of crushing baby birds. But with two murders, you would need a stronger alibi than deniability. That is when the plan turned to choice. Mia! didn't do anything! I know you did not, Joyce. You are useless, which is how I know you to be innocent. Lucia was only supposed to injure herself with the gun and claimed she had been shot by Joyce, who was the murderer all along. But never having fired a pistol before, her test fire ricocheted off the Lama room wall and killed her instantly. Her death is her own, but you two are responsible for the murders of Ivan Nabatov and the stepfather Todd! Nonsense. You can't prove any of this. Why would we even do such a thing? With Mr. Nobitov out of the way, a new admission director would take over, no one would know about the extortion committed, and Neville would be accepted next year, leaving Carol alone and making Richard's family happy. So, your entire theory is based on the guess that that guy was the head of admissions? I know it to be true. How? What makes you think he even works for Harvard? Because of the crimson H on his cum sock and because of this. Poirot pulls from his coat pocket Ivan's rigid, tart sock from under the pillow and the picture of the otter taken off the body for all to see. An otter? An otter! The Harvard mascot! The Harvard H in Harvard crimson on his Harvard sock! He was at admissions director Lucille wrote to, and with him gone, your nephew would get in, and you will have completed your loose end time. And to think, you almost got away with it too, if it weren't for this pesky French inspector. Harvard's mascot isn't an otter. What? It's not an otter. No, it's it's something else. It's like a guy. It, it, it's not an animal. It, it, it's not an otter? No. Nope. Fuck! God damn it! Fucking shit! Oh, I made so much sense in my head. Ah, shit! That would have been so perfect. It, it sounded spot on. Oh. Okay, be honest. Did you kill him? Of no. course not. And you're not just saying that? No! Come on! So you really just draw? Yeah! And you crush baby chickens for fun? You want to try? I've got three left. <sighs> then what about the sock? The, the H? Why? Well, H in Russian is pronounced like an N. It's probably just for his name. Yeah, I remember that came up in that Agatha Christie book about ten years ago. The train murder one. He probably didn't want to talk much either, because... English is his second language. That can be intimidating, talking with native speakers. <sighs> Damn it. 
It all works so well together. Then who is this guy? Where's his wallet again? Maybe there's something else in there. Let me look for it. I thought you checked his wallet. You can never be too thorough, so I try. Yup, here it is. He does insurance. Fuck. You should have just checked it earlier. But it was a pretty convincing story, to say the least. Give me some credit. Ah, fuck you. So what does this mean? Is there a murderer? Oh. Hey, guys. Who? Ah! <laughs> Didn't mean to startle you. Who are you? Are you the murderer? How much of my story was true? What? No, don't be silly. I'm Brian. I monitor the cameras on the sub, keep an eye on things, make sure nothing bad happens. It's new technology, but it exists now, historically. You can look that up. What have you been doing? Bad stuff has been happening all day. Joyce won't stop talking. What is your problem with me? You see what we endure. Also, people are dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw. Pretty crazy. You saw. You know what happened? Who is the murderer? We must know. Yes. Please, I can't get blamed for this. Murderer? Well, nobody. Except you, Frenchie. Well, no, when that sea mine hit, the painting fell on that guy, and he fell trying to get out and landed on that glass. Then Todd slipped when he went to clean it up. Hit his head pretty bad, it looked like. What about my mother? Oh, yeah, she grabbed that gun under your cushion pretty early. Kept hiding, too. I think she was just a coward. She accidentally shot herself in the llama room. I watched. But how cool is that, by the way? The llama room? Luxury, right? So I was right. It was the first solution all along. Wait. What did you mean, no murderer except me? Yo, that prisoner you killed? Yeah, that's a war crime. I'm gonna have to tell the captain to turn around and have you all arrested. Just got done with the paperwork. Plus, I figured somebody should tell him about Todd sooner or later. That's his third stepdad. He's gonna be crushed. You all hang tight until we get back, and then you're all gonna be arrested and eventually executed. It'll just be another lot of hours. All of us? He did it. Yeah, it was him. We didn't kill anyone. Well, your accomplices. You didn't stop them. Just hang out here for a bit. I always forget how to get back up there. The inspector looks at Carol, Richard, and accidentally at Joyce, all feeling the full weight of the situation they found themselves in. Inspector Perrell suddenly straightens up, an idea having hatched in his head like the others before it. Why don't I help you find the captain? I know exactly where he is. Oh, really? Of course, it's just this way. Let me just close this behind us. <sighs> Why you do resort to a backup plan from earlier? <clears throat> yes, camera waterman, it is right this way. A shortcut through the dead body room, perhaps? Through the what? What does he mean, backup plan? That's what he said earlier, right? About blaming Joyce? Oh, looks like we're there. No, you can't. Sorry, Joyce. Nothing personal. We just don't like you is all. You tie her up. I'll go find the evidence Brian made. Wait, wait, no. no. Hold on, we can figure this out. Someone needs to take the fall, Joyce. No, it, it was all accidents. No one needs to take any fall. Brian has proof. Not after I find it. No, no, you can't. After silencing the troublesome noises Joyce secreted, Richard ties her with several table linens until she's as stuck as her income class, but smashes a painting over her head anyway for good measure and a well-needed laugh. 
After arriving in seven wrong locations, Carol finally finds the camera room to tear up Brian's report and swallow it, destroying any evidence of their wrongdoings forever. Only to choke on the wads of paper and die alone, just as a roaming gypsy had promised her as a youth. After informing Captain Starbird how they had caught Joyce in the act of murdering the Japanese prisoner, the passengers, and cold-heartedly his latest stepfather, uh, this is Captain Starbird speaking. Uh, please direct your attention away from mysterious noises come from my mouth. Are you crying? Just look away! Richard and the inspector ready their belongings for their long-awaited arrival in Yokohama. Inspector Perrault and Richard wave goodbye to the disappearing vessel from the docks for what felt like hours before shaking hands farewell as friends. Well, Inspector, you may have accused me of murder based on a wrong line of reasoning, but it was a pleasure. Mm, the pleasure of accusing you is all mine, mon ami. Monsieur Texas, I will leave here to conclude formalities. May you find your peace with this. After a flawlessly executed secret handshake, thought of by both men spontaneously on the spot, they take their first steps towards the Japanese vacation they'd spent so much and so long to enjoy, but stop dead in their tracks. Across the ridge ahead, a row of Japanese Imperial soldiers take aim. Perrault and Richard turn around in time to see the Pacific Pacific luxury cruises dip just below the surface of the water. End chapter three. Hey, thanks for coming over, David. It means a lot. Hey, no problem, Bill. So, how have you been since your wife was murdered? when there's nothing to do? Hey, where'd this present come from? Try a new Professor Potato Body. Professor Potato Body using like a normal potato. What the hell? Is this a Jack in the... Oh, fuck! Hidden inside a Jack in the Box for safekeeping. There it is. Professor Potato Body gives you a unique, specific, time-delayed topic to think about while looking like and being a potato. So I just squeeze it, or...? How long's the time delay? History. Oh. History. Okay. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> I bet you thought there's potato body would have a man's voice. That's because you're a sexist. Wow. What a uniquely specific topic to change up my daily think times. <laughs> Thanks, Professor Potato Body. Oh, God. Not available in stores. Geography. Dr. Raymond Pants Books on Tape on Demand is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com.